This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 180 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. We are back after our summer hiatus with a bang as Brady is fresh off of his trip to the Sunbelt Media Days in New Orleans. We'll have full audio from Georgia State's appearance on the main stage as well as exclusive interviews as we break it all down and edge ever closer to the start of the 2023 season. So before we jump into all of that, Brady, how are you doing? Good to have you back. David, you as well. And uh, tell us a little bit about your trip to New Orleans. I think we're all very curious what that whole experience is like. Yes, I have recovered. Um, I had a very early flight out today, Thursday, as we're recording this podcast. Um, By design, it was nice to be back, but I'm also not what anyone would call a morning person. And so about halfway through the flight home, I was like, ah. That's the Mack truck hitting me of sleep. Like I, my body has gotten through the adrenaline rush of getting up, getting through security, getting to the plane. Um, obviously awesome that I was able to find a nice sub 200 price for the plane ticket to get there and not drive. It's far enough away that I could rationalize flying as opposed to driving. So I guess for that respect, thanks to the Sunbelt for that geographical scheduling, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, the thing that I took away most was just a lot of respect for all the people around, you know, the Sunbelt for putting on a pretty seamless event that has a lot of moving parts. You know, the SIDs for every individual school for organizing all their part and getting all the coaches and players where they need to get to. You know, it, you don't really know until you go to these media day environments just how hectic it is and how Radio Row is bumping from 7 a.m. through the afternoon and you've got, print journalists on the side, pulling coaches and players over for one-on-one interviews. And so a lot goes on on that side that, you know, people might not be as aware of. And certainly I saw firsthand all of that going on over the course of the two days. Also a lot of respect for the radio people just to have to fill long segments and have the ability to fill these long segments and these interview spaces, a lot of interesting questions. Certainly that's something that as I've been doing this pod the last few years, I've really noticed that I have a new appreciation for just because it isn't easy. Like you think that 20 minutes or 10 minutes or however long it is, is like, Oh, I can feel that easy. And then as you get into that moment, it's like, you know, airtime doesn't work like that. Airtime feels like it goes in like slow motion where you think it's been 10 minutes and it's really only been four or five. Um, With all that said, I think it's kind of the best, you know, the least best kept secret, the worst kept secret that media day, as far as like what the coaches are saying is basically the most generic coach speak. It's not a lot of big takeaways as far as what's actually said on the stage because coaches aren't really going to give much away. There's a lot they want to keep you know, close to their vest and they're going to speak in some platitudes and certainly saw that in living color in the Sheraton in New Orleans, but it's also the start of the season and the coaches bring an excitement from them knowing that like, I'm going to media days and in a week we're going to start fall camp. And so it might be a little bit empty at its heart with some of, you know, just the coach speak that inherently exists in the whole formula, but it is still an exciting event because you know, it's around the corner and every year media days is what that kind of exhibits. We're about to start playing football soon. Yeah, I mean, the coach speak is the best part. Like, this specific coach speak, you know, you don't want coach speak at the end of a very thrilling game. You know, everyone knows, you know, everyone's got the best guys in recruiting. Everyone's feeling good. Everyone's going to rebuild the offensive line or whatever it is. And they're going to run the ball, play hard nosed defense, you know. Play tough. Yes. I think every coach or just about every coach talked about wanting to play tough as a characteristic for their football team. And, you know, that that is what the event is to a large degree. But it's still fun, I guess, to see the different flavors of it. And I put out on Twitter, I timed out all the different timings of the opening statements from the different coaches, which I'm going to look forward to putting together like a total correlation equals causation chart with the win totals at the end of the year that obviously is going to line up exactly right because there's definitely some science going on there. 
No, that's I mean that's obviously how it works. You know, the longer you speak, the more wins you're. Or the have. shorter, we'll find out. Or, yeah, or the shorter. We don't know. This is an experiment. But uh, you know, a fun event to be a part of. I was glad to finally get down there in person for the first time and was able to make some connections with people I hadn't met in person before that I'd seen maybe in some Twitter circles and also reconnect with a few uh, old friends that I have met, maybe been a little while. And yeah, really can't say enough about the experience. You'd be surprised how taxing sitting at a table listening to uh, 10 coaches or 14, sorry, 14 coaches speak would be. It definitely takes a lot out of you being in the, and just kind of being on all that time. But I'm obviously not pretending like I'm some noble hero who has done this great Herculean task. It was at the end of the day, just sitting around and listening to a lot of uh, football guys talk football. Sounds like dudes just being dudes. Sounds good. Sounds good. I mean, I- yeah, and, and New Orleans is obviously never a bad place to go. It had been a while since I've been back, took in, didn't go to Cafe Du Mom, but hit about all of the other like stock things you do in New Orleans when you've got a couple days. I will take this moment totally podcast off topic, but New Orleans on topic. I saw a wild thing this week where someone was complaining that New Orleans food is trash. And I, I just want to say, what? what? where are you eating? Because there's no way. New Orleans is... Th- top five in the u.s if, if you're getting what like not not even you know not popular places but just like if you find just a good spot off the street i promise you you can find good food and, and i just thought that that was crazy so i'm sure you are not a crazy person brady and you ate well because you know yes, what you're doing definitely so. ate well first night i got there found a place had some good red beans and rice with some smoked sausage in it and uh, yeah, definitely a A1 food city. I'm not really a seafood person. So there's a whole aspect of New Orleans food culture that I kind of don't partake in that kind of I know a lot of people speak of highly. But even with my like elementary school picky food attitude that I have, it's still a great food city for me. I guess my only question for you um as it relates to just kind of your experience was um, the fanfare. Like I know that you kind of mentioned that it was, you know, different than other situations that you've kind of experienced, but did it feel like there was some sort of gravitas even, you know, when it's the Sun Belt, and, you know, even if it's some guys that you've never personally been in the same room with? Well, I can say that I don't know that every coach said it word for word, but the gist from just about every coach, if not all of them, was the Sun Belt is the best G5 conference in America. Most of them said that almost word for word. And you got that from Commissioner Keith Gill. He had his state of the conference address that started the whole thing off on day one. Uh, the other thing about Keith Gill's address is uh, it started with a commercial the new ad campaign that the Sunbelt is going to be running was had a theme of rising and he threw the Sunbelt is rising in a few times. And so uh, as you're watching your Sunbelt football this season, get ready for a lot of rising references. And just that theme has you know taken wildfire in the Sunbelt communications because Commissioner Gill was running with it all his speech. And I think we're going to keep seeing more and more of that, but a lot of excitement because last season brought in four new members and it basically went as gangbusters as you could have hoped for. Uh, I believe the number was TV viewership was up 100% in the 2022 season. There's something like 35 million viewers, which is a, you know, unfathomable number when you think or think back to when Georgia state joined the conference. And even before then just kind of the Sunbelt hadn't had this kind of momentum behind it, especially on, on the football side. And uh, you can get the feeling like obviously everyone's going to say the conference they play in is the best conference, but I don't, of all the things that were coach speaky, I think that was something that all the coaches legitimately believe. Like they know how tough this conference is and, you know, it's kind of balanced out. The East is, the East is really balanced, but 
you know, the West has the about the two Alabama schools at the top that feel like the favorites, but it seems like there's a healthy middle class on that side as well. And, you know, no one is overlooking any opponent. And, you know, as I've done my little sales picture, what the Sunbelt is, I, I do think that there's a lot of earnest belief that that is the case and that this year could follow in the tracks of what was a very exciting football season in 2022 for the conference. And, and that was the, the feel from all of the people who spoke. I mean, it's not far-fetched. You know, we've talked about it for years. It really could be and probably is the best G5 conference. Like, it's the, you know, we like to do hot takes on this podcast sometimes, but I don't think that's one. And, like, there are a handful of programs in this conference now that have proud histories that say, you know, we're into win championships. We're into have 10-win seasons and compete and multiple coaches made reference to the college football playoff expansion to 12 and what that could entail for a Sunbelt team making it. And just the new year six bowl aspect is a part of that as well. But like, because of how it works and how you're going to play all these teams every season, some of these fan bases are going to be wrong. You know, like some of these proud programs are not going to have the runs that they're used to having just because unless everyone is trading off a year at the top here or there, you're going to have teams hit some rough patches for their, you know, considerable success they've had over the history. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that I want to keep following as we get into year on year. And, you know, especially as James Madison can actually participate in the championship games, because it feels like a little bit of a, like they won the conference last year, but they can't say they won the conference and it's the same this year. But as things you know go on and as, they get to be an FBS program with 85 scholarships and all these other, there's just not going to be enough space at the top for everyone to be right. And that's going to be a fascinating dynamic to watch because it's going to mean a lot of upset because fans are used to winning at a certain level. But I also think fans are excited about the fact that it's not going to be as much of a given. And I, I'm coaches and players are built that way too, where I'm sure they're looking forward to the challenge of what the Sunbelt schedule is going to be year in year out no matter how much it's going to make their lives harder. All right, so let's go ahead and run that main stage audio. We're going to hear from head coach Sean Elliott as well as Travis Glover and Bryce Brown. So we'll go ahead and roll that now, and we'll be back with our thoughts after that. First of all, it's, uh, it's awesome to be here at the Sunbelt uh, Media Days. Uh, for a coach that kind of going through the season we had a year ago, this has been a time I've been waiting for. We've, uh, we've done a lot of great things in our off season. But, uh, you know, it's, it's all coming up here in the month of August and this fall. Got two tremendous guys with me today. Senior offensive lineman Travis Glover, senior defensive back Rakeese Brown. You all get to know, of course, uh, throughout the course of the season. But, uh, they're tremendous athletes, tremendous leaders, and they have been a huge part of the kind of reset that we've had this past offseason for the last six months. I use that term reset because if you know anything about Georgia State, in our football season a year ago, it didn't particularly go quite like we had planned. Uh, I think we had come into the offseason or come into the preseason right there with high expectations. And we go throughout the season. We, uh, we have leads in seven or eight of our eight losses. We lose six games by seven points or less. And we finish our season with a four and eight record. And when you do that as a, as, as a football program and a football coach and, and me being the head football coach, you have to really ask yourself, you know, what went wrong? What, what were the factors that we have to deal with and we have to address to move forward with this football program? And I got to thinking, you know, in those leads in the second half of last year, there was one thing in particular that we did when something unfortunate happened, when we struggled, maybe it was a turnover, a block punt, or whatever would occur. We couldn't rebound as quickly as I wanted us to uh, for whatever reason. I really couldn't put my, my finger on it, but it would just happen. I can remember the loss at App State. I think we have a lead there in the second half. We take the opening possession down. And we, we fumble a ball, and we couldn't recover there in that ball game. We had another block punt in a, in a situation that shouldn't have ever occurred, but we just couldn't rebound. And so I wanted our entire football team going in starting in January, and we started truly in January, uh, making a change in our program, not a wholesale change. I didn't think we had to go fix a lot of things. But we certainly had to develop a better mindset to overcome the adversity that we had encountered and what we're going to encounter moving forward. 
And it, uh, it really started with a, a transition in our strength conditioning coach, uh, bringing in a guy that I knew named Mike Siriano that I'd worked with from the University of South Carolina. And he had been in the conference at Appalachian State and done great things. And I knew that I knew our football program had to become uncomfortable, uh, for the next six months from our coaching staff to our athletic trainers, to our equipment managers, to every single player on our roster, we had to become uncomfortable. And we had to find situations that we could overcome in the course of those six months that were going to better ourselves moving forward in this fall. And I think we hit a home run. This is my 27th year of coaching. I don't think I've been through another offseason quite like this. It was exceptional. We developed a tough football team. We were already tough. We developed a physical football team. We developed a mindset where uh, the disciplinarians right now, our players were taking care of everything in general. We as coaches didn't have to step in. The ownership was put on their backs. We had to take those guys places that they really had never been before. And, and, and as coaches, we don't talk about that a whole lot. But in this day and age, in this game, and especially with me being the head coach, we had to go places that they couldn't take themselves. We took our football team, our coaching staff, and our program to those areas, and we brought ourselves back out of it. And today, we stand a much stronger football program, team, staff, and everything collectively than we did that day we lost at Marshall, that last game. We utilized an early spring practice so we could get bigger and stronger and have much more time to develop our athletes, to get those guys to be pushed by Coach Seriano and our coaching staff. And it has paid dividends. I think right now we sit in a great position. Preseason is preseason. I don't look at all these, these preseason rankings all that much. I don't put a whole lot into it because we've had to reset our roster as well. I think we have 12 or so uh, transfer portal guys. We had to bring in guys, so we had to reset our roster. I think when you when you go out and you have to anticipate that you got 23 or 24 guys that you sign, and then you have to sign an additional 12, it makes it really hard. And we're in a new age that we all really don't know right now on how to really maneuver that, and so we're all learning on the run. But I can tell you the transitional guys that we brought in, the transfers that we brought in have stepped in and they've stepped right to the plate and they have worked hard and they've developed great relationships with these young men right here, our players that are on our staff, and we're ready to come out and compete. Now, I do know one thing. If we have improved in academics, we've improved in our physical nature, we've improved in our mindset, and we take all this stuff into August camp and we improve in that month, then we're going to have a much better chance to be a football team. So those fourth quarter leads that we had a year ago are now becoming fourth quarter victories. And it's all about mindset. I didn't think we really had to change all that much, but we had to take our place somewhere we hadn't taken ourselves in a long time. And we did that. We're prepared. We're physically and mentally strong right now. We're not a cocky group. We certainly can't be. Nobody's talking about Georgia State, rightfully so. But we're a confident group. And so when we take that field come Tuesday morning, and we go out there and pursue this Sunbelt Championship because that's what we're doing. We're pursuing a Sunbelt Championship. Then we're going to work ourselves to the very best we can. And we're going to strive every single day to not, not really think about the losses and how they occurred a year ago, but to really just have that in our back of our mindset and know when you have to push through adversity in that practice coming that August heat, and we're going to practice in that August heat, doesn't matter how hot it is, that we will overcome it. And so on that dog on September 1st or the August 31st opener against Rhode Island, we're ready to go out and succeed. And I think it's an awesome time. I'm, I'm so excited and, and everybody used the term excited. The anticipation for me to start practice is, is at an all time high. Uh, I, I can tell you and I, I'll share a story. My head coach, when I was a player, he told me a story about one of the worst defeats he ever had. And uh, this was Jerry Moore at Appalachian State that coached me. And it was after a loss at Marshall. And I remember to this day, he said the worst post-game meal, the worst sandwich he ever had was at Marshall University, last game of the year. And I believe it was, that was in 1989. And he said he made a point at that point right there, at, at that stage after that season, that it wasn't ever going to happen again. And I can remember that doggone post-game meal that we had at Marshall because it was pitiful. And it tasted like crap. I'll just go ahead and be honest with you. And I made that statement. I reflected on that story, and I said, this is not happening again. And it's because of these men, our coaching staff, 
and a few other changes that we made, that we're looking forward to a great season. And I can't wait to see it started. Any questions? We'll now take questions for Coach Elliott and for the student athletes. For those of you in the room, if you have a question, please raise your hand and wait for a microphone to come to you. And since we're going out live, please state your name and your media affiliation before you ask your question. And for those of you joining us on Zoom, please type your questions into the chat and I'll read them aloud. And Coach and Travis and Brykees, I have a question for all three of you first up on Zoom. You won four out of five at the middle of the season. What was working for you then? And what can you do to avoid those struggles you mentioned at the end of the year? Yeah. Well, first off, we opened up with a really tough non-conference slate. I mean, uh, let's be honest with you. I don't think uh, if anybody was doing a poll in here, you'd want to start with two Power 5 programs right, right from the start. And it was the case. It was tough. And then you play an Army team in a, in a Charlotte loss that we had right there. But we really became healthy, and we, we started getting in a groove. We had some early injuries after our North Carolina game where we lost a couple offensive linemen. And uh, if you ask me, when you lose a couple offensive linemen, you have to start mixing and matching that group in there. You start to have some struggles. We all understand that. And we had some other struggles as well with some other injuries. And then we became healthy. And then we made a little run right there at the middle of the year. And I think, I don't want to point Dave out, but then he jinxed us. He said, this kind of, kind of reminds me of last year. And I said, God, Dave, you know, why you got to say that? But no, and then, then we got a little bit of the injury bug and we just couldn't finish. Uh, you know, a couple of those games were very, very tough. And like I said, it was a mindset where one simple thing, maybe it was a fumble or something else would happen. And we would kind of get deflated and it was very, very hard to overcome. Um, so that's that's my thoughts. You guys, what do you think? Yeah, like Coach Elliott talked about, the the four out of the five games that we won, we kind of was bouncing back off guys being injured, so we came out strong and we was able to finish those games. But wrapping up the season, we had a problem with fit, finishing. So this offseason, we really, like, toned in on that, like changed the mentality that no matter what happened, there's a block punt, a fumble for six, it could be 14, that the mentality is to go attack, and that's not going to stop what's going on. And also to pick up off of what they said, like uh, a big loss for us last year was Blake Carroll. So losing him and in injuries last year was uh, kind of a, a, a big piece for us. And then, um, like he said, also as well, um, out of the four of the five games, kind of just trying to find a way to win ball games and come together and go through adversity together. And that's kind of something that we went through this off season, going up Stone Mountain adversity and trying to find a pull together for one another and become one as a team. Weiler, panthertalk.com. Right. Uh, you talked a little bit about the new faces, but how much does the stability of having Darren Granger come back as the quarterback and like, what does his leadership mean to the team? And I guess that can also be for Travis as well on the offense. Yeah, you know, uh, any, I think everyone wants their starting quarterback return. And when you have your three-year starting quarterback returning, that feels pretty good. Um, one of the most things uh, that, that I'm really impressed with with Darren is uh, Darren has really became a, a, a stronger leader over the last six months. And uh, that's because of everything that we've gone through over the last six months. That's because of the adversity we had there uh, in, in this past season. People, he, he starts to have his hand on the back of our team now, so to speak. He was a happy-go-lucky guy a year ago in the previous year, but now he has a little pulse and we have a group that we call a pulse group. Uh, they're kind of the temperature of our team. And now these guys, these two individuals as well, they have a hand on this, uh, this team, this offense, this defense. So I look for Darren to be a, a strong, strong leader. Uh, he's gained 20 pounds over the, the course of the six months. He's transformed his body. Uh, he's done more than what's expected. He's gone out there each and every day with a mindset to be very, very the leader that we need him to be. And I can't wait to see him take the field. Yeah, like Coach just said, I can't wait to see Darren Granger out there this year and be able to block for him because he's one of the guys that over these six months that have made a lot of strides. Like he said, he gained some weight, put on some weight. He's still running the same. He's passing the same. He's an incredible leader. Like he even like, he pushed me to be a better leader because the way he's commanding the offense, the way he gets guys going, like just hearing him speak and the things that he says motivates us just really be behind each other. Got to, oh, no, go ahead. 
Uh, most definitely, like having Darren is, is definitely huge for us, especially with him coming back, being a starter, being in the program for multiple years, and just having him to lean on when it's when it gets tough. You know, you know, sometimes we're gonna need him like third and five, you know, short situations. We know we got Darren where he can do both; he can either throw it or he can run it. So having him in situations like that, Darren's huge for us. Coach, a Zoom question along those same lines. Your rushing attack ranked in the top 15 last year between Darren and Marcus Carroll. Will that be a strength again? And how has Casey Adams stepped in to help there? Yeah, I think um, anyone that knows me as a head football coach, I've been an offensive line coach for a number of years. So, you know, we want to have an effective running game. Uh, we lost two great backs a year ago. We actually lost one back there towards the end of the season last year. But I think we are very, very fortunate to have a guy like Marcus Carroll uh, back with us. Um, I, I, I've said this a number of times throughout the course of uh, today. I think Marcus Carroll may be the very best back that we've had at Georgia State. I call him Mr. Muscle. He's strong. He's physical. He can pass protect. He's powerful. Um, he, he can do a lot of things for us. So we're going to try to have an effective run game uh, with a guy like Travis Glover right over here and his comrades beside him. I think we can. And then when you throw in a Casey Adams, you know, Casey Adams is going to be a guy that not a lot of people have heard about. You know, two years ago, he was the leading rusher in the entire country. He rushed for over 3,125 yards. And so now we're going to throw him to the mix. He's got an electric type move. He's, he's, he's silky smooth and he can really put his foot in the ground and go. So we're anticipating a big season out of our rushing attack. We got to get Travis Glover and the boys right. And I think that's going to be, that's going to be handled quite nicely. And we're going to move forward our rushing attack. Zoom question, Coach, from Matt Cummings of Iowa State Podcast. With there being such an abundance of talent in the Atlanta metro area and with the resources you have when your university is located in an urban setting, how are you and your staff using the blueprints of schools like UCF and Cincinnati to ensure that Georgia State can experience the same success they have and become one of the premier programs in all of the group of five? Well, we are. We're, we're right there in downtown Atlanta, which has its pluses and minuses, just like every other university. We have an abundance of talent. With abundance of talent in the Atlanta, Georgia area, you have an abundance of schools you have to go and compete against. You just got to remember, our, our football program is turning 14 years old. We're doing everything in our power to get our name and get our program and get our brand throughout the country, not just the southeast, but the state of Georgia. We're going out and we're always going to recruit the very, very best players that want to come and be a part of Georgia State University, whether, whether it's downtown Atlanta, whether it's Fulton County, Gwinnett, whatever it may be, South Carolina, North Carolina, the state of Florida, wherever it may be. But we've got to go recruit players that want to be at Georgia State. If we're not doing that, if we're persuading guys to have to come to Georgia State in this day and age, guess what? I want to go in the portal, coach. It's not working out so well. So, our reputation as far as recruiting, we want to go and identify the players that want to be at Georgia State. Those are the players we want suiting up in the blue and white. A question for Brackeys on Zoom. Your brother plays in the NBA, just won a championship with the Denver Nuggets. With both of you being elite athletes but in different sports, what is more likely, you dropping 10 points in an NBA game or your brother picking off a Sunbelt quarterback? I'll give him picking off a Sunbelt quarterback <laughs> just because he's 6'5", he's athletic, and you, you really can't throw the ball over him. What about you scoring? Oh, I'm going to get my buckets for sure. There's no question about that. <laughs> he, he, can't, he can't throw the ball in the ocean, I promise you. <laughs> you're not scoring if you're sitting on the beach right there. <laughs> uh, another one for Brett Um Early impressions, obviously, because you haven't gone through the full install, but what are your early expectations for what the defense is going to look like under new D.C. Chad Staggs? The defense this year under Coach Staggs, you know, he walked in the locker room with instant respect just because we played him in the past years at Coastal. So this year I expect us to be more aggressive and, you know, ready to come with it every single game. Every game is going to be a good one. It's going to be a fight, and we're going to be there to take it all. Kind of just to top off that, you know, in hiring Coach Staggs, you, you look for somebody that you know. You look for the system that you've been going against had an opportunity to go and, and try to defeat him uh, a, a number of times. Uh, he's got great passion for the game. He's got a blueprint for recruiting the Southeast, and uh, he knows the Sun Belt quite well. So, you know, when trying to identify who do you want to go after, 
who can you go after and who you can land. For us to land Coach Staggs, I think it was a home run. A question for Travis and Bry Keys. Across college football, there are always new faces with transfers. How do you go about getting everyone to gel together, especially early in the season? I feel like that's a big part of um, Georgia State University. Once guys come in, we kind of all gel together. It really become a family. I feel like the extra work, getting guys up late night after workouts, just to go and just get acquainted with each other, to put in work, to see what passion or what drives them. Is really what tone, what really gel us all together. One thing I would say about our team, we're, we're together all the time. So doing little things like going to explore Atlanta. Like recently, if you and me and the DBs, we rode the belt line together on bikes just to spend some time together, just to bond together and do little things to understand one another. So that that's huge for us. Any other questions in the room? If not, thank you, gentlemen. Good luck to you this season. Thank you all very much. Thank you. I think that if you were looking for, like, I, I don't think that fans who are, you know, on the fence about Elliott being the guy for Georgia State or, you know, people who's completely tuned out of this type of big press conference things, we're going to get much out of this no matter what you said. But I do think if you had room open as you're looking for the season where you're buying the vision still of what he's trying to do, and if you're, we're looking for a response to what you found to be a disappointing 2022 season, a deeply disappointing season. I think that you got a pretty good message from Coach Elliott. It, it, I think as I've spoken about on this pod already, there's a fair amount of coach speak in these things. And that certainly was still the case with what he had to say. But I felt like he saved some interesting things for the main stage. I mean, I didn't have a chance to listen to everything that he said to every radio outlet and every interview he did and I might be wrong on this but there's a few things just at in his opening statement even that I felt like he saved for the big address and felt intentional one of which being mentioning the story about Jerry Moore and talking about how he had the worst loss of his career as he called it at Marshall in a season and that it paralleled with Georgia State kind of hit facing a crossroads after their loss to end last year at Marshall and talking about how he was saying that's never going to happen again. Um, and I thought that just the overall message of we know that we had to get the mentality back. You know, we brought in a new strength coach. Uh, we changed how we did things. We put it on the players, challenged them. I think all of that would be preferable to a message where Coach Elliott was saying, well, you know, we had a lot of injuries. Blake Carroll was a big guy who got hurt that we had to move around the linebackers a little bit. Offensive line never was healthy. I think there was a recognition that even with the team that they had through all those injuries last year, it wasn't good enough. And they lost too many leads in the second half. And so, you know, I'm not going to try and sell anyone on like the overall, like you have to believe this was good and you have to take away positivity because it was just a speech. And the field, you know, what happens on the field is going to ultimately be what matters. But I, I do think it necessitated them changing uh, their mentality, kind of getting a wake-up call from how last season ended. And I think you got all of those coming across in the speech and from what the players had to say as well. That you know they get it and they've made that change, and that along with all the personnel changes and a new DC that's going to have to add up to success on the field. But, you know, I think that they made the first step that they needed to, and kind of that came across in what they had to say. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a very important point that you said right there, that they made the first step that they needed to. Um, obviously we don't know how the season is going to go. There's no way for us to predict the future. And this team has a lot of question marks. You know, we've talked about it all off season. Like we like some of the additions, you know, as much as one can. But a lot of the additions are about projection more so than they're about solid, tangible things that we have to go off of. But you're, you know, you're right about what you said about Coach Elliott's comments. They could have sat there and made excuses. And like, yes, there's always going to be coach speak. But I think the the th 
the part about Georgia State the last few years that has been exciting is you could have felt a shift in kind of their mentality, you know, in the way that they do things and the way that they've approached media. And you could you could kind of hear it in the players' voices. I don't want to sit here and say, you know, oh, they stopped being soft, because I don't think that's fair to the players prior to the 2020 season. Um, but I still remember, I believe it was the 2020 season after that App State game, you know, and Coach Elliott talked about changing, you know, the practice philosophy and, you know, whatever. And I think that really propelled them for the rest of that season. And then the 2021 season, you know, when they started off a little bit weaker and then kind of got to the end place where they wanted to get. And you, you never really got that sense after the first couple of weeks last year that they were, you know, employing that hard-nosed mindset. And, you know, there there are a ton of reasons for it. This isn't a blame game, you know. But my, my point in saying all of this is it's it really felt like through all the coach speak that Coach Elliott was taking accountability, even if it wasn't his fault. And I don't know. I, that's at least something that I thought was nice to hear, especially given how disappointing last year was. Yeah, a few other things from the – uh, the main address that stood out to me, uh, the line that Coach Elliott said about, I think Marcus Carroll has the chance to be the best running back that Georgia State has ever had, or whatever the, the actual phrase that he said was. It was along those lines. thought that was definitely interesting because Panthers have been through a run of some really good running backs, starting really with Trey Barnett, following on Tucker Gregg and Jam Williams kind of took the reins and became that thunder and lightning. And that is, I don't think it was a question. I think it's one of the safer, projectable Roster spots, just given how much Georgia State likes to run the ball and that we saw Marcus Carroll do it against Southern Miss this past year. But I think hearing that type of vote of confidence certainly makes you feel even more comfortable that they've got the guys to replace two super seniors that they lost this previous season. Uh, And not just because I asked the question, but I also did enjoy the answers they gave on Darren Granger and his impact from a leadership perspective, because you had coach Elliott saying that not only has he, you know, put on 20 pounds and looks more the part and has, has added to that aspect physically that he has become more of a leader and that you see him keeping his head up when moments are going against. And maybe there were other times where even as he was leading the team, maybe his head was sinking after a bad play and you're seeing him, lead by example in that way and you had Travis Glover also I I had asked it to coach Elliott and also left it open because Travis was on the offense and he obviously works with him every practice and sees him lead the team and he had more insight to say you know he said that he put on this pounds but he doesn't you know he still runs the same he still throws the same um and that he makes him a better leader. And then Bright Heese also wanted to answer. Like he interrupted the moderator. You can kind of hear in the uh, the audio that the moderator is going to move on to the next question. And Bright Heese also wanted to say something about Darren and what he sees from the defensive side. And so all of that kind of spoke to that they feel like they still have the leader, the quarterback. And he's going to have to make some strides, you know, was better passing the ball, uh, at least, you know, establish more consistency. Uh, he's going to have to build on that even more and just completely eliminate the games where he has no, you know, where he no shows, you know, the South Carolina game or the App State game for this past year. But it seems like there's a lot of trust in him from the top down on the team. And you know, third year quarterback, after all that we have gone through with like, is there going to be a third year quarterback? It turns out it was Darren Granger all along. You know, it wasn't Quad Brown, even though we waxed poetic about him all offseason heading into 2021. Um, it ended up still working out to be a transfer when we thought it would have to be a high school guy. Uh, certainly just funny how things work out. Uh, but that certainly was something that I took away from the, the main address as well. And the other thing, um, he got asked the question uh, on Atlanta recruiting uh, from Mac, who does the I Will Stay podcast and does a good job with that. I wanted to shout him out because he got in the questions on Zoom. I, mean, I think it's a fair question. It's a question that I have stopped asking personally from my perspective doing these uh, when, when I get a chance to talk to Coach Elliott because he's kind of given the same answer multiple times, but he did give it again that he he wants guys to 
who want to be at Georgia State and that that's the one thing he looks for rather than trying to just, you know, shotgun shell at the state of Georgia and in the Atlanta area and just get a bunch of guys from the area. And I know that's not a satisfactory answer for a lot of Georgia State fans. And I know that him saying it again doesn't really, you know, yeah, of course, that's what he says, yada, yada. I think it's a valid question to ask. and I think it's good that it got asked. Um, I just, you know, I, I don't know what else people are going to expect to hear at this point. Like the answer is the answer. The recruiting philosophy is the recruiting philosophy. And I think that's just how it goes. But uh, it came up again. Um, very possible that if he's here in the offseason, it's going to come up again next offseason, the next spring and next uh, Sunbelt Media Day, because I think it is going to be a growing theme. And I know that, when there is another football coach, Georgia State football program, that fans are going to want it to be someone who is ready to have Atlanta be that focal point. I just think facing facts, that's not where Coach Elliott's mind is at. And another example of that is was in his answer to that question when he uh, was asked about it. Yeah, I'd ask what do people want, but I don't think that's a smart question to ask because I know what people want. Um and I don't even want to ask, like, what are they looking for in asking over and over? But I mean, it, this is what, year seven? Like, it's it's been pretty consistent. So I don't I, like at this point, you're just asking just to ask. Like, you just, you know, I, I don't know. I do think it is fair because, like I say, I, there's a lot of expectation that that is what can make Georgia State an appealing program down the line is kind of building that out. I just, you know, while separately understanding the legitimacy of asking the question, and it's why I brought it up here, because I think it is probably one of the first thing that's on anyone listening to this podcast mind about the program is the direction of recruiting and making Atlanta that big in the mind of the coaching staff. I just also separately recognize I don't think it's going to change. And that's just where we're at. And I'm sure that affects how some people think about Coach Elliott, and it's going to make the results this year matter even more for them because, you know, if that's the way you're going to play it, I think for a lot of people, it's like you got to win games and we'll certainly see how that plays out as we uh, see the 2023 season in action. I just, I, I really just want to tether um, this idea that the results and the location of where the players come from mean anything man i know i know that there's so much talent in the state of georgia in metro atlanta this team has had success without a ton of guys from that area they could have a ton of success with guys that aren't in that area until it's a situation where multiple teams in the Sun Belt are just cleaning Georgia State's clock in terms of wins and in recruiting. I just, it, Georgia State can find talented players anywhere and can win with said talented players. Like, it's just, it's really not going to bother me, man. I'm more upset last year that they went four and eight than I am than what, like two kids came from Metro Atlanta or something like that. And that, that was a like six year high at the time or whatever. So I don't know, just my two cents on it. If nothing else, we're a Georgia State podcast, and we have spent however many minutes that was talking about Atlanta recruiting. So I feel like we have at least represented a significant viewpoint in, among some of the fans. And so you, know, you might not agree with David. You might agree with David, and you might not agree with the, the main mindset, whatever it is. But I'm sure you have an opinion, and, and um, I hope that you know, share your thoughts on what you'd, you'd like to see the program go as well as we uh, you know, keep going through these podcasts. But it was at least worth mentioning, and I guess we can leave it there. <laughs> and moving on, and as well as the audio from the main stage, we've also got a couple of interviews. I was able to do one-on-one with Coach Elliott and with Travis Glover and Bryce Brown, and we can roll those audios now. Well, it's Brady live at Sunbelt Football Media Days with Georgia State player representatives Brekeese Brown and Travis Glover. Guys, thanks for talking to me. Thank you for having us. Uh, first things first, I have definitely enjoyed my time eating Nola. Did you guys get a good meal last night? For sure. For oh, sure. Yes. At the Redfish, for sure. What did you meal. get? I got uh, the Cajun steak. Cajun yeah, steak? I had crab legs. 
not a seafood guy myself, but uh, I respect it. And this is definitely the city to get it in. Uh, so uh, first thing to ask for each of you, just with where you're at with your games, what are some personal goals you're hoping to achieve through this season? Um, For me, it's just becoming a better leader for this team. Just trying to put us in every possible situation to win. You know, just one thing I really stepped up on this year is just hosting defensive meetings. Uh, player-led defensive meetings, just kind of watching film and breaking down every opponent one-on-one. So having the guys come in there, especially with us learning the new defense, having everyone come in there together and just kind of communicate and talk it over so we can get it as fast as possible. Yeah, and for me, it would be, of course, I want to be the best player that I can be, but also being a leader because in the past, I feel like, especially in the O-line group, we have had players with more experience than me. I always kind of been like the younger guy, but now I'm the older guy, so it's up to me to lead them guys and show them how to work and being the guy that's very detailed in everything I do so those guys can follow that example. Yeah, I guess you're kind of both in that situation where you're the lone returning starter from the secondary and in the offensive line, same situation. So I guess you feel that kind of expectation in a good way of I've got to step up and be that type, that type of leader. Yes, sir, for sure, for sure. Just because, uh, you know, like you said, I had a lot of old guys ahead of me, so they kind of set the, the steps for me to just follow and um. You know, I feel like this year, um, you guys don't know, a lot of people don't know who we have on our team. And just having the guys that are on the team right now buy in and just trust the process, I feel like we can be really good this year. I don't feel as much as like an expectation of like something I have to do, but it's kind of rolled up. I was prepared for it by my teammates to come in and be able to lead these guys. So it's really a great opportunity that I'm glad to be blessed with, to be able to be there for those guys. And Brekis, uh, in the spring, actually, Coach Elliott mentioned competitive is the word when he's talking about the cornerback room. And I guess that was something that he really noticed come on in the last, you know, in the spring practice and all in the winter. Do you think there's a little bit of because there's a starting spot up for grab or you just think that the, the group of guys that are in there competitive? I think it's just the group of guys like, you know, being on that island, you have to be competitive. You have to want it more than the other person. So just be, just being a cornerback, just just having that, that type of swag, you have to when you step on that island, you have to be ready to go. I'm going to go through a few rapid ones here. Uh, I believe I'm right in saying that there are times when the coaches go through the workouts with you guys or you have them do the workouts, the coaches. Yes, most definitely. There's times you come in there and Coach Elliott is definitely going through the workout with us. Every coach comes in there, they make sure they get their workout Who's in. Who's the daily. best uh, like workout hound of the uh, staff? Coach Elliott, for sure. He's bringing the juice. And I'm not just saying that just because of the head coach, but he's definitely bringing the juice when he's in there. All right, uh, you kind of alluded to there being some guys that we don't know about. Uh, for each of you, who's someone in like your area of the team or your position group specifically that you think is poised for a big year? You don't have to answer these questions now. <laughs> just remember that. You say, hey, just wait and see. <laughs> Most definitely. I'm going to let you wait and see because we have a lot of guys to, right. to go over. You know, we had a lot of transfers this year, so a lot of guys are going to be great for us. Same. All right. For the record, he put his finger to his lips. And silence. We'll wait and see. Um, a position in football other than yours you would play, and like if you guys wanted to switch, like you could be offensive line size and you could play like whatever you'd want to play other than the position you play. I'm playing receiver. Yeah. Our receiver for sure. Yeah, I think I'd be a great DB. DB. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm here at Sunbelt Media Football Media Days once again, this time with Georgia State head coach Sean Elliott. Coach Elliott, thank you for speaking with us. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess the first thing to ask is, you know, you're heading into year seven at Georgia State. and You, you know, this is kind of the, the summer's over, the season's about to start event. So how are you feeling, the team, heading into year seven? Um, you know, still uncomfortable, uh, kind of like our off-season's been. But you know, with a, with a much better outlook um, because of what I've seen here in the last uh, six months from our coaches, our players, uh, everyone involved. Um, I've just seen a, a transformation of sorts from a physical nature, from a mental state. Um, it's been really good to see and, and witness and been a lot, of, a lot of tough days out there on the field for our players, a lot of tough days for, for everyone in our office. And, uh, you know, ever since that last loss here at Marshall, we've uh, kind of made a reset. And so I'm looking forward to it, to be honest with you, probably more so than I ever have in a season. And kind of on that point, you know, 
uh, you get the spring practice and play, they've increased the amount where players can play football during the summer, but I feel like the bulk of what gets done between the seasons is with the strength coach and with all of that goes on there and yep. you have a new staff there. You're satisfied with the different edge that they're bringing in the spring. Has that continued as they've gotten more and more workouts going? No question going? about it. I think with the, <clears throat> with the transition, new staff there in the, in the strength conditioning, uh, Coach Mike Seriano and his staff done a great job. Um, it's really incredible to watch. Uh, you know, I, I've known Coach Siriano for a number of years, and I understood exactly who he was and what he was about. And I wanted our football team to to have a taste of that. And I certainly think each and every one of us have uh, have taken a bite, and uh, it's been good for us. And you know, I think the amount of time I take to ask this question will be more time than you have thought about, or will think about the preseason poll of coaches. But picked six in the East, no first place votes, kind of. Different situation in the last couple of years, or in the last couple of years, there's a little bit of like dark horse, maybe getting some first place votes. Do you think that can maybe be good given their last year, the way they went, you know, you find an edge you in know, this kind of way? I don't, I don't really even care about the end of the preseason stuff. I don't think anybody really knows about your roster and what, uh, what changes have occurred, uh, you know, so I, I don't, I don't put a lot of stock into it. I know what we have. Uh, I've seen it over the last six months since we, Taking that last loss there at Marshall and seeing how our, our team has evolved. And I, I'm just I'm ready to go out there and, 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 and let's prove, just like last year, you know. I guess there was expectations placed on us and uh, didn't meet them. Uh, certainly didn't meet them. So that goes to show you that the preseason didn't mean a whole lot. Uh, but we've got a we've got a good, strong-minded football team and just uh, an encouraging group. Our players have done a tremendous job. And I, like I said, I look more forward to getting on the field this August than I'll probably ever have. And let's run through the three uh, position or the sides of the ball uh, with the offense led the league in rushing last year and made strides in the passing game, added a lot of yardage per game to it and some explosive plays. What's the next step in 2023 for the offense? I think we have to evolve a little bit more in our throw game. Uh, I think we have the ability to really take some really good deep shots. Uh, you know, Robert Lewis and, and, and Cradle and some new guys that we have stepping into those roles in the receiver room. Um, I think we incorporate our tight ends a little bit more. They're kind of sneaky involved in the run game as much. Um, so it's hard to really kind of pinpoint what their assignments are when you incorporate them so much in the run and the run and run. They can be an explosive big play type uh, uh, position for us. So we'll just wait and see on that. But I think we do have to come uh, a little bit more in our throw game. And on the defensive side, obviously had to make a move at DC with the yeah. change. Brought Chad Staggs in as uh, defensive coordinator. Uh, what are you hoping he's going to bring to the defense? Aggressive. I want to see aggressiveness. I want to see. I want to see some. I, I call it taking shots on on offense. I want to see some shots taken on defense. Uh, you know, don't really want to go back and talk about what we did in the past, but. I think we can be more aggressive, put more pressure on teams, and uh, kind of dictate the tempo of the defensive scheme this year by, by really getting after offenses. And obviously, it wouldn't have been the only factor, but he, he had experience in the league and some experience with three down linemen uh, in the defenses he's run before. Were those at least bonuses? And when he was the guy that helped to wear acclimation and with the roster that he was going to be working with, it wasn't going to be that much of a shift. Yeah, you know, I wanted somebody familiar uh, with who we were playing and what we were doing. And, uh, you know, I had a chance to go against him for a number of years and just see, uh, you know, just what schemes he had and, and what he incorporated in. Um, he's evolved more so than he has uh, when he was at Coastal. And, and when I say evolved, it's just over the last six months. Uh, so, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be a fun August because we get to go up there and get it. This is going to be the first time we've actually seen our defense because he, he didn't make it in spring practice. So now we get to see it on the field, you know. So we get to go do a little bit of competition, getting that. And on the other side of familiarity, I mean, obviously there's some guys that he's going to be looking at for the first time. So without having to go into names, just you know, we're keeping our lips sealed. Uh, opportunities for some guys to maybe show up in different parts of the field and just in different roles maybe than would have played in a different defensive scheme. Yeah, I think you're going to see a, a number of players uh, that you probably didn't see last year doing some different things, and that's the exciting part. We've got some talented guys, some guys that can run. Uh, we've got some guys that need to be rushing the passer instead of doing a lot of pass dropping. Uh, so the, the, they'll be incorporated doing some of those things. And then the last one with special teams. Obviously last year there were a few moments that – Game breaking, maybe the wrong way with some punt blocks. And no, stuff game like that breaking that is up. exactly what you want to say. Um, 
Is that something that you go in the summer or during the season that you see like what went wrong and the way it was set up and just on the coaching side you have to fix stuff or is it something you're allocating maybe a handful more minutes during camp to fix or all something in between all of those? Or, I think you know? everything under the sun has to be fixed. Um, <laughs> you know, we got much better. Uh, that first game against South Carolina, you give up two punt blocks. So uh, really unfortunate. Uh, one against right there against, uh, who was it? Louisiana Monroe, I believe it was. was uh, just a personnel issue. Uh, we have to improve in that area and we've got to get it sound and we've got to get it corrected. And uh, we all understand that. We've all had meetings about it. And so uh, you know, hopefully it's been taken care of. And about these guys that you brought with you, Travis Glover and Bryce Brown. And Travis, you had mentioned this spring was, I think you said he had the best spring he had had at, at Georgia State. And that's coming about a guy that had started for four years. So what does it yeah. say about Travis that he is still having the best springs of his career after? Travis has had the best all-season summer. He has trimmed down. I mean, he looked incredible. I came back. I went I went out of town for like a week and a half. I come back and Travis is sitting there and he looks like almost like a D lineman. I was like, ah. But I mean, he's the, the ability for him to maneuver and run. Uh, he's going to be physical, he's going to be massive, and he's going to be a big part of our offensive line. And he's developed into what I think is, is a great leader for us this summer. And uh, he's been vocal, doing a lot of great things. And Keith's sitting right here, the same thing. Maybe the, the single greatest jump in our leadership on our football team, seeing him and his energy in the weight room, seeing him, uh, the energy on the field and conditioning, uh, the want to and the willpower to get more knowledge during the course of the summer. Um, sky's the limit for both these guys, and uh, you're going to be impressed. It's going to be a great season for these two young men. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I will freely admit that most of like my big picture stuff I ended up taking away from the main stage, but there was something interesting that I picked out from the one-on-one -on -one with Coach Elliott where he talked about the direction of the defense and wanting to be more aggressive, and he made it very clear he was not looking backwards and trying to make it about who was here before, but it, it was as close as he has gotten to kind of critiquing the overall philosophy of the defense under former DC Nate Fuquay, who left for Cincinnati. And I'm definitely interested as we all are to see what the defense does look like under Chad Staggs and, and what that aggressiveness looks like and taking some more shots because you know, I think that there's some dudes on the defensive side and, Maybe it is a case of asking them to take some more risks to get some greater rewards, and that that's what the ultimate effect of bringing Coach Staggs in. But that was the one thing he didn't like outright say anything, and he's not going to be that type of coach. Uh, but it definitely stood out to me uh, that that was kind of his focus of like what he wanted Chad Staggs to offer to the defense when he came in. Also something he mentioned in the main stage as well, but kind of honed in on that when I spoke to him one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, the defense is going to be, it's going to be key this year. You know, I think the offense, we kind of know a lot of the pieces and what they are capable of. And obviously some guys can surprise, but the defense is really where a lot of the question marks that a lot of the, you know, graduates and transfers Real, like the important pieces are the ones that are gone. So it, you know, Stag certainly has his, uh, his work cut out for him. The one thing I will say is that it, it's a situation that I, not just Georgia state is dealing with as far as a new coordinator and kind of new things going on. Coastal hasn't really had time to get deep in with a new offensive scheme under new head coach, Tim Beck. Uh, same with Texas State and their new head coach, G.J. Kenny, who has uh, a unique system that he's got to install and led to them scoring like a billion points a game at Incarnate Word last year. Uh, you know, Georgia Southern has a new defensive coordinator, so they're going to have a very similar thing going on where obviously Coach Dags not having spring to do any kind of install affects Georgia State, but the reality is that fall camp is really where the hard work gets done and where the scheme gets fully put in place and gets a full install going. And so with all these teams that, you know, there's a lot of Sunbelt teams that feel really good about what direction their season is going to take, even ones that have struggled in the past couple of years. And I think maybe more than most years with all that's up in the air, some of these programs, 
who is able to have a fall camp that gets the most done and gets them going in the right direction the most, those are the teams that are going to have the most success. And I feel like a football coach here saying that like fall camp is really important. It feels like really obvious, but it feels like a unique situation this year where really it's going to be who makes the most of the time that they have in these practices in August that we're getting ready to look, you know, the next step after media days uh, to get ready for the season, whoever wins August might win September, October, November into December. Early season momentum is very key. Like it, I mean, you see it with a lot of programs and, you know, Georgia state has kind of done the opposite sort of had, they've had a tough schedule admittedly. Um, but, you know, you've seen some results the last couple of years that have gone as expected. And then, you know, they kind of catch fire as the season goes on, but yeah, you're right. You really can win. August can truthfully make or break your season, you know, depending on the school and the program. So. All right. And speaking of that, fall camp gets underway next Tuesday, August 1st, and we'll dive in in earnest to our 2023 season previews on next week's podcast. Big thanks to the Sunbelt Conference and Georgia State Athletics for their assistance in these media day things. And thanks to you for listening too. Uh, I know we had a long, long hiatus over the summer, but it is very good to be back and we've got lots of good stuff coming your way. So stay tuned. We'll have some stuff again next week as we get going, like I said earlier. But until then, have a fantastic week and go Panthers.